On this week's episode of Chase the Natty, Jared and I look ahead to week nine in our preview where we will discuss big game matchups and possible high scoring games. All this and more on Chasing the Natty. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right, welcome back to Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. As you all know, I am your host, Xavier Hood, at CFF underscore Xavier on Twitter. And alongside me, I have my co-host at CFF underscore Jared, Jared Palmgren. Jared, how are you doing today? Dave, for a moment there, I thought you were going to make my only identity being my Twitter handle. And I thought I was about to get on to you for that, but no. Nah, nah. Nah, 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 nah. Uh, day's, day's going pretty good. Um, I am getting, uh, getting ready here to fix myself some chicken cordon bleu. So uh, it's not often that I make a pretty decent meal for myself, but I felt like, you know, whipping something up tonight. Um, yeah, just had, had a pretty good day overall. Uh, it turns out, uh, I got absolutely destroyed in fantasy basketball this, uh, uh, first week, which, uh, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing totally. So, you know, that's fine. It happens. It happens. Yeah, it's a long season for basketball, but we're not a basketball podcast. We are a college fantasy football podcast, um, so we have to discuss a lot. Uh, week eight has come and gone, mm-hmm. and we're on the week nine. We have some big, big games, especially out there in the Big Ten. Oh, some massive um, games this weekend. So uh, I guess, you know, we should just jump right in. We'll jump uh, right in out. right after I do my usual spiel. You guys who are listening know what I'm about to say. Make sure you're following us on all of our platforms. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit, our, hit that notification bell. Like the videos. Uh, comment down below. Even if you just are telling us, hey, you guys are doing a good job. Or Xavier, uh, your beard is looking a little scruffy today. Or Jared, uh, your hair looks greasy today. Just comment something, y'all. Those engagements are huge in terms of getting our videos out to people who might want to watch them. Uh, and I challenge everybody out there. Uh, find one person you know in the CFF community that you maybe play a league in or something like that. Just share our our stuff with just one person, and let's see if we can grow our audience doubly that way. So we got a lot of good stuff. Uh, we just got done with the Ankle Biters podcast with Farnsworth and Owens. We did that last night. So if you're listening to this now, that is already probably out. So make sure you go listen to that. Xavier and I had a blast on that one. We'd love to go back on to their show anytime, and we'll probably have them on this show at one point once we get. Uh, things kind of settled out and uh, a guest schedule going. Yeah. So yeah, I guess oh, we can. Oh. We uh, I guess we can move on to our helmet games of the week. Perfect. Uh, yeah, first game we have uh, Michigan Michigan State rivalry. It's in East Lansing, so it's definitely uh you know Michigan State's having a good year. Um, I'll let you go first and talk about this game, Jared. Um, just wanted to mention that it was in Michigan State for all those uh, people that are tuned in for this game. Yeah, so here's our only top ten matchup of the weekend. Um, we got really spoiled early on with some of the with some of those weekends having multiple top ten matchups. But even still, this is what college football is all about. Two two teams having let's be honest, much better years than I think anybody was expecting them to have. I think most everybody was off of the Michigan Harbaugh train by this point. After it was probably a good three or four years in a row 
where it seemed like they were getting hyped up every offseason only to just disappoint and not disappoint in the sense of like oh they didn't win a national title like a, like Georgia is compared to no it's like they really disappointed like Michigan ended some seasons with four or five losses and this everybody was just expecting them after especially after last year people were just like all right this is probably Harbaugh's last year in Ann Arbor uh they're probably not going to do very well but here they are uh they have a new offense and i'd say well not necessarily new but they have a better offense than they've had in past years and it's not the offense i think a lot of people were expecting a lot of people were kind of hoping for like a shift more to the pass but in the end it looks like uh harbaugh and uh, josh gaddis really just at the end of the day said hey we got two great running backs here three if you want to count uh donovan edwards um, we got we got a whole like stable of backs here. Let's just run it down people's throat and let's win that way. And it's worked very well for them so far. A couple close calls here and there. The game against Rutgers definitely wasn't their best game uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But pretty much everybody else, they've handled their business. So Michigan's doing well. Michigan State is really the one I think surprised most people. I think their over-under win total for this year was 4.5. Well, they're at 7-0 right now. Uh, that tells you people's expectations compared to now. So, like I said, they're having a magical year, and now they get this rivalry rivalry in East Lansing. They get to host Michigan for this rivalry. I think it's going to be huge for Michigan State. I think it's big for Michigan, but I think it's a bigger game for Michigan State. I saw a tweet from somebody. It wasn't like any, it, it was just really just somebody um, put down like put down their thoughts about this game, and they said that for Michigan, this isn't their biggest rivalry game of the year that's against ohio state for michigan state this is the biggest rivalry uh of their year like they play ohio state too but if they can if they could go one and eleven every year but that one win is against michigan michigan state fans are happy that's all they need to care about so i think there's going to be an edge here towards michigan state i think that they're going to come into this game hyped up i think michigan knows they need to handle their business here. I don't think by any means they're going to overlook Michigan State here. But I think a lot of people are kind of counting out Michigan State because they've had too many kind of closer wins compared to Michigan. I might be leaning a little bit towards Michigan State here. And Xavier, I've kind of been talking a while, so I'll let you say your piece on this game. Um, And then I'll kind of mention why I might be leaning that way. Well, first things first, I want to give credit to, uh, I saw the tweet as well. I think it's Brandon Champion, a big Michigan State fan. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've seen him on the timeline on Twitter a lot, talking about Michigan State. Great college football uh, just college football in general, uh, just interactions with him. But in terms of this game, I, I, I understand all your points, and I agree with them all wholeheartedly. I think Michigan has definitely looked revitalized in terms of, like, recent years and what Harbaugh has done and what we've seen. Uh, I, I, I would caveat to say that, man, how would Xavier Wor- uh, Worthy would look in this Michigan offense? Like, I don't know, like, if uh, Cade McNamara would, like, you know, have – uh, you know, be able to find him the ball like he is at Texas, or if Xavier Worthy is just that talented to where this Michigan team would actually be a legit threat to a lot of uh, programs. But it's it's just the thought just to have that knowing that he was there on campus for uh, in the spring and then just magically leaves. To I think Texas. there's a reason why he left. Oh yeah, there's definitely a reason. But I mean, just to just to you know have a little fantasy in my uh, in my head of like what could have been, but. I think he's doing great at Texas going forward in the future. True freshman having a great uh, wide receiver campaign. But let's get back to this Michigan, Michigan State. Um, it is a tough, it's a tough game to call. Um, I'm going to give it out right now. I think I'm getting, leaning a lot more towards Michigan. 
And uh, it's nothing against Michigan State. I was one of the biggest Kenneth Walker supporters. I was going to say, you, uh, you, you've been hyping up Michigan State all year, man. I have. I, I've loved what I've seen from them, especially when I knew, saw the addition of Kenneth Walker. I, I just, you know, there were uh, early reports back in the spring that Kenneth Walker looked great in camp and that he could be that running back that usurps a uh, thousand yards rushing. And I think he's already done it by now. So maybe he's like maybe 20 yards shy. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just been a magical season for him. He's uh, one of the Heisman candidates, probably like top 10 at this point. But if we're looking at, I mean, Michigan State, it, it just in those close games, especially against Indiana and against, um, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, Rutgers, if they played them um, maybe a week or two ago. Yes, they did. Yeah, uh, they didn't look that great. Uh, Kenneth Walker basically got shut down, and Michigan has a great rush defense, and I've been saying this um, for a while now. As much as I don't like Harbaugh, that defense does look legit. They put out, you know, players to play on Sundays on that D, uh, that D line, and Michigan State's going to be have to force to throw in the ball. Now, luckily for Michigan State, they have receivers that can, you know, catch the ball really well at a successful rate. But it all depends on Peyton Thorne because he has his ups and downs to where some days he'll look great, and then some days he'll look very mediocre, and it's going to have to come down to the wire. So I think for Michigan. Michigan can grind it out. They have two great running backs. Uh, and then Cade McNamara has completed 63% of his passes so far. And, um, you know, even though the receiver, the, the passing game isn't all that great, you still have great uh, playmakers. And, and I'll just highlight one. It's just been Cornelius Johnson. Uh, that's the name I keep on seeing every uh, time on Saturdays uh, for Michigan. And he just seems to consistently just find his way to uh, catch those deep balls and get them in position. So it's going to be a hard fought game uh, in terms of, I don't think, you know, as I understand that Michigan, they've kind of like sunned Michigan State for the past few years and because Michigan State's been down in the dumps and Michigan State views this as a game that possibly turned the tide. But I think Michigan knows what, what uh, they're having higher expectations now that they're 7-0 as well. So I think Harbaugh's going to go in, the team's going to go in, and they know what they need to do. And I think, you know, with having that dual backfield of Corum and Haskins, it's going to wear down on Michigan State after some point where you don't know which one's going to pop off. Well, you, you're you're talking about wearing down Michigan State, and like I agree, there's probably a talent differential here between Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, I don't have the recruiting numbers off the top of my head, but even so, I would I would have to imagine Michigan's probably recruiting better than Michigan State year in and year out. But even so, uh, that doesn't change the fact that uh, Mel Tucker's brought in a ton of guys from the transfer portal that have been key contributors for them this year, so they got plenty of experience there, regardless. But the other thing I think we're neglecting to mention here is the fact that Michigan State's coming off of a bye. Michigan's not. Now, I, I just looked it up, and Michigan's defense was only on the pl- only on the field for, let's see, 32 plus 23, 55 plays last week. So it's not like they were beaten and battered and were just um, out there the entire time and coming into this game tired as hell. I imagine they'll be somewhat rested for this game. I don't think it's going to be a huge deal into this game. But I do think that that bye week for Michigan State was very significant. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of shocked the Big Ten allowed in a rivalry game such as this, uh, especially here right here in the middle of the year when all these teams are taking their bye weeks uh, for one team to be coming off of a bye and the other not to be. I know for Georgia-Florida, uh, they made, the SEC made it to where they both have the same bye week every year. Uh, Alabama-LSU have the same bye week every single year because neither team wants an advantage over the other. So I think this might actually come to play here for Michigan. I think, or Michigan State, excuse me. And again, it's not like we're looking at two teams where one team has playmakers, the other one is just looking to scrap together a victory. Michigan State, in my opinion, probably has more playmakers than Michigan does. 
it really just comes down to which do you trust more, Michigan State's offense or do you trust Michigan's defense? And while I think, again, like you said, Michigan's defense is good, I trust the, uh, that the dynamic ability of Michigan State to use the passing game and the running game both in long plays and short plays for both, uh, for both ways of transporting the ball. I don't trust Michigan with that. Michigan, from what I've seen, is run, 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 deep ball pass, run, 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 deep ball pass. I've not really seen a true short passing game or even intermediate passing game from Michigan. So if Michigan State is able to take away that deep ball ability from Michigan and is able to hold them onto the ground, even if Michigan is somewhat successful on the ground, I think that puts Michigan State in a much better position to win this game. Throw in Kenneth Walker, all their playmakers feeding off of the crowd for this game. I re- I'm Again, call it gut feel and everything. I'm taking Michigan State to win this game. I think they, I think they handle business. Yeah, I, I only mentioned, like, I, I do agree. The playmakers in terms of the wide receivers at Michigan State, I think, are outweigh Michigan. And I love Kenneth Walker. He's a great running back. Heisman, uh, you know, finalist possibly. But it's all uh, leading up to Peyton Thorne. We've seen his ups and downs, and we've seen, like, how low he can get, to, especially that Indiana game where I was like, you have these playmakers, hit him. Like, Jalen Naylor is a speedster. Jalen Reed is a great guy. Like, he can make plays, even punt returns and things like that. But I just didn't see it in these big 10 games. So I don't know, like, you know, you, you were beating up on Northwestern who definitely is on a down year and you have beating up on a lot of these easier opponents. But then I saw you against Nebraska and I saw mm-hmm. you against Indiana and I saw you against Rutgers and I'm like, all right now. I mean, I know Michigan, Michigan also kind of struggled against Rutgers as well, but I think Michigan will be able to handle business and come in with probably just well, a little actually, bit of a and Michigan state didn't really struggle against Rutgers that much. They, they scored in the thirties against Rutgers. Oh, yeah. I'll look it up I, real quick. Yeah, you keep talking. Like, okay, yeah. I mean, it, it's just a, it's just a gut feeling about Peyton Thorne in a big game like this. I, I just have to see it to believe it. But for now, I'll just go with Michigan for the safer option. I'll ask, I just remember, I'll I think in that the, Rutgers game, it was like uh, Kenneth Walker didn't do that well, if I'm not mistaken. No, he broke off for that big run, I think I remember. Yeah, they scored 31-13 uh, against yeah. Rutgers. So they actually had a better day against Rutgers. They were at Rutgers, too. Yeah. Um, I'll throw this out of here, Xavier, because you're picking Michigan. I'm, I'm, I'm curious from a betting perspective. So the spread on this game is four and a half. Um, so obviously I would take Michigan State in the points because I think they're going to do the outright upset. Do you think this game's closer than four and a half points or do you think Michigan uh, covers that? I think, yeah, I think it is going to be closer. I think, um, you know, the two, uh, the two kickers are definitely going to be in play. Uh, oh God, I'm trying to forget. I'm trying to remember. I think it's Moody for uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And Coughlin um, for Michigan State. Yeah, um, Moody has been just a hundred percent for the entire year. I think McConference mm-hmm. maybe missed uh, maybe once or twice, but okay. Moody is automatic, one of the better kickers. Um, definitely going to help out. Uh, there, there's going to be a lot of drives, but they're going to have to settle for field goals. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to come down to where like, all right, who's going to break? Uh, who's going to get the break in the end zone first? And then who's going to how they're going to respond? So, but I, I'm trusting Michigan on this. Sounds good. We talked about that one long enough. Let's go ahead and move on to our next game as soon as i write this down all right move on to our next game uh, another top 25 v top 25 matchup uh we're going down to the sec for this one we got number 10 old miss at number 18 auburn auburn a two and a half point favorite in this game this is the 7 p.m espn game this is actually also one of our over under games of the week so we'll kind of talk more players uh specifically in this one it's over under 65 or 66 and a half xavier you go ahead yeah, uh, I think it all comes down to, um, 
you know, it, it will be close if Matt Corral isn't healthy. Um, that's that's the big thing about this game. If Matt Corral is 100% ready to go, uh, no restraints, then Ole Miss will handle business as usual. Mm-hmm. Now, if he's not and he's limited, then that becomes a, a, a the question of Auburn, you know, possibly pulling off this game in this upset. With Bo Nix looking better and better each week, um, Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bigsby being a, a, a good uh, backfield duo, and, you know, Bo Nix, uh, not to say that he doesn't have any, like, dynamic receivers. He's had a, a few guys to step up, but they're not nothing, you know, to rave about. Demetrius Robinson, transfer from George, has been doing well. And I'm trying to think of the other guy's name that I had on the tip of my tongue. But uh, they, they have at least one or two reliable guys. But I'm not, you know, raving about, oh, their passing game is just, you know, next level up to, you know, compared to Ole Miss. I think Matt Corral is able to put up points quick and in a hurry with his legs um, and his arm. So I think with that, with Auburn, they're going to have to slow him down somehow, some way. And it, it's, it's tough with Matt Corral. I mean, he has the, he has the threats and weapons of if Dontario Drummond is healthy, um, if um, Braylon Sanders is healthy, that's going to be a big component of that game. If he's healthy and on the field, then I think Ole Miss should definitely, you know, run away with this. I think, you know, they'll definitely cover the spread. I think uh, Auburn's still talented enough to put up points, but not as many points as Ole Miss. So this this whole game, the, the thing about Ole Miss, I think a lot of people miss, everybody remembers the big passing plays for Ole Miss. They remember Matt Corral. They remember Dontario Drummond. They remember Braylon Sanders. They remember the fireworks. The key with Ole Miss is their running game. They're able to run the ball. They win this game. And I think it's as simple as that. That's the key for them. And like Again, they're 6-1 so far. They're only lost to Alabama. That is the only game where one of their rushers did not hit over 50 yards. Every single other one, they were able to run the ball pretty much at will against their opponents. Uh, even in their close games against Tennessee and Arkansas, the fact that they were able to run the ball in that game, heck, Corral had 195 yards against um, Tennessee. That's what won them the game right there. So Auburn's D-line, I think, is going to be the biggest question mark here. And we've seen them get worn down by a good running game. We saw it against Georgia. We saw it against Penn State when they were able to run the ball on Auburn. So I think if Ole Miss can get that going, they can win the game here. Now, obviously, the other side of this is going to be, this is at Auburn. It's one of the toughest plays places to play in the country, not even just the SEC, but in the country. Um, this is a night game too. Some weird things happen in Auburn uh, once uh, the, the sun goes down in a home game for them. It's it's hard not to it's it's hard to pick against the environment here, but I don't. It, this is a tough one. I want you to make your pick first. Yeah. Um, now that I think about it, I mean, if Auburn, you know, reduces the penalties on defense and smoke, uh, smoke Monday, I think that's his name. Um, yes. And, uh, secondary is not out of the game for a targeting penalty or giving up past the past interference calls. It will be tough for you know to see what Dontario Drummond or Braylon Sanders or Jacor Pearson or whoever steps up for, at that receiver spot uh, in this game to uh, have to go against in that matchup. But I, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to roll with Ole Miss in this one, even though it is at Auburn. And I know weird things happen with Auburn, but uh, I, I just like the, you know, with what Lane Kiffin has done for that offense at Ole Miss, I think it might be a little bit too much for first-year head coach at Auburn. So, You know, that is fair. I, I, I did kind of forget about the inexperience of Coach Harson. Uh, or not, I, I won't say inexperienced because he's been a head coach before at a pretty big program. He was at Boise State. Um, I still that was still one of the weirdest transitions from last year. Boise State head coach going down to Auburn. Um, 
God, it's, this is a hard one to pick. I almost want to flip a coin and just have God call it for me. Um, you know, I'll roll on this with you as well. Um, and, and I don't feel good about that pick, but I wouldn't feel good about picking Auburn either. Yeah. Uh, regardless, You're telling us to trust, trust Bo Nix to win a game. Uh, I mean, he looks he looks better each and each week, but it's when you don't trust Bo Nix is when he suddenly shows up. Um, exactly. This is a one-score game either way, in my opinion. All right. With that, let's go ahead and move on to our... Um, oh, typed that wrong. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our third helmet game. One more top 25 matchup here. We got number 20, Penn State, at number 5, Ohio State. Ohio State favored by a massive 18.5 points in this game. This is on ABC primetime, 7.30 p.m., Man, the, this game lost some luster thanks to last week, didn't it? Uh, Penn Absolutely. State, what what in the hell was that? Uh, we we I've already covered my thoughts on last week's game pretty much in full. Um, and yeah, this this point spread pretty much reflects exactly what happened there. Um, if you would have told me that Sean Clifford was back for Penn State and they still managed to lose to Illinois, that's a massive red flag for this team right now. Now, the only thing I can see for Penn State right now in them winning this game. Because I think there's worlds where this, they win this game. There's not many of them, but I think there's worlds where they win this game. John Clever's got to play the game of his life. Um, you got to pray that Ohio State still, still hasn't figured out their D-line and their rushing defense. And even a guy like C.J. Verdell was able to run over 200 yards on them. Hopefully Penn State can find one guy, one guy that they can ride on for this game. Again, you're shaking your head at me, Xavier. I get it. I get it. I'm speaking, I'm speaking crazy over here, but I'm saying this is the world I think that it takes for Penn State to pull this upset. John Clifford has to have the game of their life. They got to pray that Ohio State hasn't figured things out on defense with their rushing ability. Um, they're not even at home, so that's not playing well for them. Uh, and you just have to hope that last week, them losing to Illinois was because they were so focused on preparing for this Ohio State game. And they thought they could just sleepwalk through that Illinois game. And they got some things put up their sleeve that they are ready to just absolutely pounce Ohio State with. That, to me, is the path to an upset for Penn State here. Slowing Ohio State down will also be very key to that. Um, We saw last week that the rushing defense for Penn State Gave up over 200 or 300 yards on the ground to Illinois. That definitely doesn't bode well for them this week. Um, yeah, no. I, again, I'm, I'm trying to describe a path for Penn State to pull the upset here because we all know why Ohio State's favored in this game. They're the number one, they're the, probably the number one offense in the country. But yeah, I have to roll with Ohio State. As much as I w- I'll root for Penn State probably in this game, I got to roll with Ohio State with the win here. Yeah. I'm going to Ohio State as well. I just, you know, you're saying in that world where Penn State could pull this off, Sean Clifford had the game of his life. His best game so far this season was against Villanova. Um, yeah, that's not going to work. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's like his his passing numbers aren't that great. I mean, in terms of like competing with Ohio State, you can't, you'd have to go bar for bar with Ohio State, which you definitely have receivers, but not like Ohio State. They have uh, just their starting three wide receivers. They're automatically just better than you. And then going down the depth chart, it's I, I can't even name you the fourth or fifth wide receiver for Penn State. So, and then with the running back room, you, you, I, if you even trust one guy, I don't think that would be enough 
to run all over Ohio State. TJ Verdell, as much as like we give him flack for the, you know, the past few years of his consistency, I mean, he wasn't a bad running back. He showed flashes of why he was starting at Oregon. Nobody has showed me a flash of why they should be starting at Penn State uh, running back. I haven't seen it. Uh, I think that's why they're probably going out there and trying to frantically recruit for that next guy to be the next Saquon or anything like that. Singleton, looking at him next year. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't see it as a possibility of what you could do. I mean, Penn, uh, Ohio State, from what I've seen over the past few weeks, they have been banged up, but ever since they got back in the Big Ten play and after that Oregon loss and after that close game with Tulsa, they've been hitting on all the courts, uh, holding great offenses to, you know, less than, uh, you know, 20 points and things like that. That Maryland win was very, very interesting for me. because Well, I was like Maryland looks like looks like they can't put up points on anybody now that crab season's over. Yeah, um, so I was like, uh, and once you got in the Big Ten, but I was like, man, I mean, they had some And then next, last I mean, week. The Moscow, with the Moscow going down, that kind of sucks as well, too. I mean, like, and like, but last week they played against Indiana, who was without Michael Penix. Jack Tuttle gets benched in that game, so they're now Indiana's down to like their third, and I think they played their fourth string quarterback in that game. They were just banged up to the point where they couldn't do anything on offense. No, again, give you credit, holding anybody to seven points is still a difficult task, uh, no matter who you're going up against. So props to Ohio State there, but even still, like. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I think that Ohio State's figured things out on defense that they were having str- troubles with against like Minnesota and Oregon earlier this season. I don't think that's what's happened. Now, I do think this offense is clicking more because even against lesser competition, they were struggling earlier in the year. But now it seems like against lesser competition, they'll run up the score on you without a second thought. Oh, yeah. And I think that's just what's going to kill the morale for Penn State. Once, you, once the score is just run up, there's, there's no point. I mean, you're not going to be able to come back within, uh, you know, scoring distance or anything like that, like a one-score game. And after that, I mean, Ohio State can just have your way with you. Like, your running backs aren't that dynamic to run for over 100 yards. I don't think any of them have run over 100 yards so far this season. I can so, agree I can agree with you that if, if Ohio State jumps on Penn State early in, early in this game, it, it can kill that morale very quickly for Penn State. Um, but I think if you get to the half and this game's like 14-14 or 17-14 or something like that. Hell, even if it's 21-14 and Penn State just can feel like they can score on Ohio State when they need to, maybe break off a big pass play or two. I can see this game getting interesting pretty quickly, but like so I said... How many yards do you think uh, Sean Clifford needs to throw for this game to be close or either get that upset? Hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, my number is 350. If, they, if Penn State wants to win this game, he has to throw over 350 yards. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. That's kind of the number that popped into my head as well. I'll, I'll be maybe kind and say three, like just three hundred. He still hasn't done it yet so far. I know. He had that one game against Villanova, but that's I know Villanova, they're a basketball school, so you would. I, have, I didn't even said, know they had a football team at this point. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, look, in the game of his life, yeah, it's that's an understatement. You haven't even done over three hundred this season, so. Yeah, again, I, I I laid all that out there knowing for the fact that I'm picking Ohio State, and I know the fact you, for a fact you're picking Ohio State to win this game, but I wanted people to make it feel like that we're not going to just chalk this one up. I feel like there is worlds where Penn State can win this game because, again, Penn State has looked like a good football team several times this year, and if they play 100% and maybe Ohio State plays like a B-minus game, yeah, I could see an upset with Penn State, Penn State here, even a B game. Uh, but yeah, we'll move on. So those are our three helmet games of the week, uh, ranked v ranked matchups. Uh, you'll see us cover those again on the recap episode next week. But we'll go ahead. Let's move on to our additional games of 
interests. Let me just write something down here. And we can go. All right, first game we got on here. A lot of good big, a lot of great Big Ten matchups this week. Um, some definitely teams that we're definitely rethinking now that we've seen them perform in some other games. And I think two are it's perfectly encapsulated in this next matchup. We got number nine Iowa at Wisconsin. Wisconsin favored by three points on ESPN. This is the noon game. Uh, so Xavier, you go first. Yeah, um, I was gonna have to pass the ball this game because you're not rushing on a Wisconsin at all. Um, and Spencer Petrus, I don't trust you throwing the football. You're only completing 59% of your passes, and it's not even that impressive to where you're only uh, you're only throwing for. It's at 1,300 yards so far. Mm -hmm. I mean, 1,300 yards, and you're throwing nine touchdowns and six interceptions. So, not the greatest quarterback for Iowa. Um, and your greatest receiver. It's probably your tight end, and it is Sam Laporta. And I, I do think he's talented because Iowa produces talented tight ends, but that's not going to be enough to beat Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin's going to run the ball all over you. Um, I don't trust Graham Mertz. I don't really care for Graham Mertz, but with that backfield of Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen running all over you, getting a lot of attempts to where either it's either way, it's whoever has the hot hand so far this season. Like a lot of people like Braylon Allen a lot more because he's seen to step up as a true freshman. But Chesma Lucy still has shown, even this past week, where he got the, the majority of the carries, uh, that it can be a split backfield and they can and they can work with that system to win games. I think Iowa has gotten exposed to where, you know, in previous weeks they relied on turnovers like you've mentioned. And they've won a, a lot of close games and a lot of blowouts um, where, you know, maybe a lot of people thought they were going to be upsets. But, yeah, that's only in the secondary, though. You're getting a lot of turnovers and interceptions, but I have, Wisconsin's not throwing the ball, so you're going to have to cause a lot of fumbles if you want things to go right, uh, if you want to beat Wisconsin. And you're going to have to be able to throw the ball efficiently and effectively. So I, I'm taking Wisconsin this game, and it's at Wisconsin. So And at noon, oh, those fans are going to be uh, hip-hop, hooraying, and what's that thing they did do in the fourth quarter? Uh, is it the jump around song? Oh, do, they, do they do jump around at uh, Wisconsin for fourth quarter? Yeah. So let me look something up here real quick, but even still, you're right 100% that if Iowa State, or Iowa State, why did I, I, do, I did that yesterday, I'm doing it again. Why I, so Iowa, this is going to be a very interesting game because like you said, Iowa's not running the ball on Wisconsin. They are, Wisconsin's the number, the number one rushing defense in the country. And Wisconsin's good at rushing the ball. However, Iowa is the number seven rushing defense in the country. This is strength on strength going up against for these two teams. And I think both of these teams are going to be, have to be forced to pass in certain points during this game. I don't trust Spencer Petrus. I do not trust Graham Mertz either. Here's the thing, though. I trust Iowa's ability to turn turnovers into points. Wisconsin has not really shown a, a huge ability to do that. They haven't really shown an ability to generate turnovers. So I'm actually, for once, going to roll with Iowa here. I think Iowa, this is the perfect setup for them. You got a quarterback that is good at throwing turnovers, uh, as we saw at the end of Notre Dame. You got two rushing defenses. I think both of these uh, running backs are going to have a hard time uh, throughout this day. That's why I'm not starting them in any of my leagues. I think it's going to be an extremely low-scoring game. 
Uh, wouldn't be surprised if this is under 20 points for both of these teams by the end of the day. Uh, in addition to that, I did pick Iowa to win the Big Ten West. And let's be honest, if, they gotta, if they're going to do that, they got to win this game. So I'm going to roll with them. I'm rolling with Iowa. All right, let's move on to our second game. And Xavier, uh, I believe... Actually, no, I get to start this one. Yeah, you do. Uh, that's unfortunate for you because I could see you going on a roll with this one. All uh, right. I won't get too deep into it. So when Xavier and I talk Georgia football, by the way, this is number one Georgia, uh, 14 and a half, uh, fourteen point favorite versus Florida. You can find 14 and a half. You can find 13 and a half some places. Regardless, Georgia is about a two, two touchdown favorite versus Florida. This is the CBS 330 game of the week. So when Xavier and I talk Georgia football, usually I'm like the optimistic one. And Xavier will kind of try to bring me back down to earth a lot sometimes and be like, Jared, remember, there's always that one game and everything. Never, You never know what's going to come. And I'm like, no, 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 we got this. We got this. There's one game this year that I have circled the entire time that I've been worried the hell about. No matter how much I watch Florida screw up game after game this year. They've lost three times. Once to Bama, okay, whatever. Lots of teams are going to lose to Bama. Not a lot of teams are only going to lose to them by two points. So, you know. They lost, but, you know, somewhat impressive loss. Um, then you lose to Kentucky. Well, Kentucky's a good team. Um, and they might finish second in the East now. So, you know, maybe somewhat. Exu- then you lose to LSU. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, okay, so Florida's looking like a bad football team at this point. Uh, they look undisciplined. They can't figure out their quarterback situation. That's definitely more on the coach than it is the players. Um, and so there's every reason to believe that Georgia is going to absolutely roll in this game. And I, again... I'm picking Georgia to win because I'm a Georgia Bulldog, and I'm going to say Georgia's going to win every game until the national championship. But I th- this game's going to be more uncomfortable than I think a lot of Georgia fans are going to anticipate, and I am going to be happily proven wrong, hopefully. So Xavier, what are your thoughts? Yeah, like you said, I had this game circled as like our probably our most important game of the year, besides if we make it to the FC Championship. I think this game determines that. Um, I, I'll say this. The only reason I was being pessimistic for the uh, up to this point is because I didn't want us to just directly look at Florida, look ahead to Florida. I mm-hmm. saw some teams out there that could have, like, you know, they were coming along, they were looking decent, and I was like, if we look past them, it could get real ugly for Georgia, and I'll be disappointed again. So far, Kirby Smart has learned from his mistakes of the past and has his players on the right track. And I think this is the big game we've all been looking for since last year. Uh, it wasn't an embarrassing loss, but we all understand uh, the context of injuries, what happened with Georgia. But uh, nonetheless, Florida still won, and it's a rivalry game, so we won our revenge. Um, I think for this game, it will be tricky uh, a little bit, probably a little bit more trickier than we have to do. But I think it, it's the only reason it's going to be tricky is because I don't know who's going to be thrown at a quarterback. I don't know if you're going to do 50-50 split. Are you going to do first half Emory Jones or like a few plays Emory Jones, a few plays uh, Anthony Richardson? But I think overall, that doesn't matter if our D-line is clicking. If we can get to the quarterback each and every time or we're getting turnovers and sacks, that doesn't matter to any team in the nation. If you can hit the quarterback before you can release the ball or take off, then that's fine. Now, mm. I think both quarterbacks being a dynamic of, you know, being probably the most mobile. But we said that about K.J. Jefferson as well, too. But uh, he's a big guy. These are a little bit smaller guys. And Will Levis, I'll point out. Will Levis, too, to some extent. Um, he's definitely good in that rushing uh, game. But these are these are two guys to where their strengths, I mean, well, especially with Emory Jones, his strength is not passing the football. Anthony Richardson has the talent to, uh, you know, improve his passing game. But for now, 
his his values in his legs. And I think Georgia knows that. Um, I'm still a little bit skeptical about our secondary, uh, as you all know. I mean, we have some great pieces. We seem to make mistakes sometimes. They've obviously improved each and every game, but they haven't been tested. We've been able to shut down one receiver. I know on the Ankle Biters podcast, Jared, you mentioned that we're going against a lot of receivers that could probably make a look like maybe just more than one. I would mm-hmm. say that, that Florida has a lot, but you have Jacob Copeland, you have a uh, shorter, you have zipper. So you have just just a different guys to have different skill sets, which can be be a little bit of curveball and it could get a little bit annoying. But overall, I trust our defense. Um, whoever starts at quarterback, I'm fine with. I'm cool with rolling into that game. You know, last year we did have um, Dewan Mathis, then we put in Stetson Bennett late, but Stetson well, Bennett has been balling. Stetson started against oh, yeah, Florida last year, got hurt, got then Dewan came in, and then we threw Stetson back out there because Dewan was doing so rough. Yeah, so, I mean, Stetson does look a lot more improved this year to where the Stetson of last year. I mean, he still did, you know, decent for what he did last year, but now I'm having a little bit more higher expectations of, like, Stetson. I know you can win games and manage games correctly. If JT is healthy, JT, it's been a while since you played. You're going to have to get your reps back in. You're going to have to take your lumps. Hopefully that you're durable and that you make it out of this game game unscathed. So that's all I really have to say. Hopefully I didn't take up too much time, but yeah, I have Georgia. Uh, taking this game i'll take georgia as well again i i want to be optimistic y'all but again you if if you know just the life of a georgia fan or just atlanta fans in general you want to be happy but it's one of those things where you got to believe it until you see it exactly let's go ahead and move on to our next game um we got a acc matchup here uh two unranked teams um, it is the disappointment bowl, and I guess one's been a disappointment for a while, but we got Florida State at Clemson. Clemson a 10-point favorite here. This is a 3:30 game on ESPN. Xavier, you go first. What do you got? Yeah. I remember uh, I saw this game um, looking ahead to week nine, and I was like looking at it, and I was like, is this the – am I really going to think about taking Florida State in the technical upset? Because uh, Clemson's favored by 10 points in this game, which is shocking. Because you just bench DJ, the QB battles wide open, but the backup, whose name I still can't pronounce, because I just found out. Like I knew he was on the roster, but I never thought he would ever get in a Clemson game, uh, unless DJ was balling out for three and <laughs> Z- a half quarters. Xavier's now angry because he just figured out how to say Uyagalele, and now he's got now he's got to figure out a whole new quarterback. Yeah, uh, has an African last name. I think his first name is like uh, PJ or something like that. Uh, it's short, but it's it's very complicated. But whoever's out there. I mean, you, you have nothing going for you. You have no weapons that can get open. I mean, Florida State's terrible at defense, but I don't know what your receivers are going to do in this game to where, I mean, everybody seemed to ha- has pulled your card this season. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. I think um, a few running backs have been able to expose Clemson's D-line a little bit, little by little, but that's because the, de- the defense is on the uh, field more than the offense, so they're getting tired. Deshaun mm-hmm. Corbin may just have like a just – a grimy game where he has to just crank out two yard runs until he finally breaks off for, you know, a big one and gets a touchdown. I don't know uh, what Florida state is going to do. Jordan Travis may start running around and, you know, get some long games as well. But for Clemson, it's just all about like, what is your offense going to do? Will Shelby's coming back from injury. He doesn't, he didn't look so great against um, Syracuse. So, I mean, we're just going to have to see if like, all right, do, do I go with the talent or do I go based off of what I've seen so far from both of these teams? I think I'm going to have to go with, you know what, it's surprisingly, I'm going to have to go with Florida State over Clemson. Did not think I would be saying that in 2021. Xavier? 
you basically were speaking out of my mouth just now in terms of just like the thought process because i put out a tweet when i first saw this line come out and i was just like is am, am i a horrible person for thinking about taking florida state in the points here because like basically so to tell you how bad clemson's offense here they're in rare company right now um xavier there are two there are two power five programs Actually, these might be just FBS programs in general. Two FBS programs that have not been able to score over 20 points in regulation. Clemson is one of them. Arizona is the other. That is yeah. that is the company that Clemson's offense is currently sitting with. And they're favored by 10 points in this game. So what are these odd, make, odd makers expecting? Clemson to hold Florida State to 7 points? Absolutely not. Florida State's a lot of things. But they can put up some points when they need to. And like you said, Clemson's defense just being put out there too often, getting worn down, injuries starting to bite them a little bit more. Florida State, they get 20 points in this game. They win this game. Again, Clemson Clemson really just has shown an ability, even with Will Shipley back, just they can't get anything going in this game. And it's at Clemson, so that's helping them out a little bit. But this is where Clemson hits rock bottom, I think. I think Florida State wins this game. Yeah. I, I, I think... I think that this is going to be a shockwave in the ACC if Florida State is able to pull this off. And you know what? I think it happens. Give me Florida State to win this game. Yeah, All it's right. going to be a huge win for Novell and see if he wants to keep his job after this season. Oh, Norvell is keeping his job after this season, in my opinion. Even it, Yeah, some bad losses in there. But I think Florida State knows they have to keep the same guy, guy around. For a couple of years unless things just get really really bad after year two okay all right let's go ahead and look at our fourth game we got here we got number 19 smu at houston uh, i believe it is my turn to start off the preview and we will do just that so this one's interesting to me because smu is undefeated they're ranked and they're really the game that people are looking at at the end of Cincinnati's schedule and saying that Cincinnati statement moment right before the final playoff poll comes out. Well, actually, no, that, the final one comes out after the uh, conference championships. But even so, this is a big statement win for Cincinnati. Um, if Cincinnati is able to blow out a ranked SMU team that I think is going to be big in the eyes of the committee uh, going into those final weeks. However, SMU's got to get past Houston and Houston has quietly had one of the best passing defenses in the country. Now, it really comes down to strength on strength and week on week here. Houston's offense definitely leaves a lot to be desired, but so does SMU's defense. Um, so it comes down to both the question of who do you trust more, Houston's offense or SMU's defense, as well as who do you trust more, SMU's uh, passing attack, which is really a crux of a lot of their offense, or Houston's defense, which is good against the pass and the def or pass and the rush. So Xavier, I'll let you kind of speak here. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, uh, I know you mentioned uh, to me a while back that Houston was sneakily having a good defense, and they are ranked twelfth in passing yards allowed. Um, they are in great company, I believe. Um, but I've seen teams put up points on them. Uh, I think ECU was a great example of like you put up twenty four points. Well, that went to uh, overtime. Well, yeah, that went to overtime. Uh, what did? It? Hmm. No, it, no, you're right. They put up 24 in regulation. Yeah, so they put up 24 in regulation. Um, then Tulane was able to put up 22, 
And then besides that, you've just been blowing everybody out. Navy was able to put up 20, but Navy's been throwing in curveballs for weird teams at different times. So, I, I mean, I think SMU is just that dynamic of an offense of, like, you have a lot of playmakers at that wide receiver position. Um, I am concerned. I, I don't. I haven't read the news for, uh, recently of what's going on with Ulysses Bentley, but Trey Sigurds is a good running back. Mm-hmm. I don't take anything away, but I think Ulysses Bentley was obviously that better back. But Trey Sigurds has come in, in that role of, uh, you know, holding his own and keeping that run game alive and getting uh, SMU in good field position for Tanner Mordecai to make plays. So ultimately, I just trust Tanner Mordecai to understand the magnitude of this game and to win this game overall. I, I think they have the receivers in Danny Gray, Rashi Rice, Reggie Robeson, and Grant Calcaterra. I mean, I don't think Houston has faced that, like, arsenal of weapons to, uh, you know, you've, you've gone against some good teams with some clear number one receivers, and then after that, their depth drops off. With SMU, it's just solid and, at, you know, across the board, across the line. So I'm going to go with SMU in this one. I think I'm going to go SMU as well, but it, from a fantasy perspective, I know Matt Corral has been incredible for everybody. I know that these SMU receivers have definitely been a lot of fun. Just save four picks every single week. I don't. I will bench every single one of them for this game. If SMU wins this game, it is going to be in a 24-21 kind of way. I think Houston will be able to slow down that offense somewhat. And they're definitely not crossing the 30-point margin. So you can find a lot better options out there. Um, but I will take SMU to win this game in the technical upset because Houston is favored. Okay, let us move on to our next game. We got UNC at Notre Dame. Notre Dame being the three and a half point favorite here. This is on NBC, 7.30 p.m. game. Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Yes, it's uh, an interesting game. Um, UNC... In bounce back games, it somehow looks great. Uh, and then the news of Cal Hamilton going down for Notre Dame really takes a blow to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, you know, Notre Dame's identity, like Cal Hamilton played a huge role in that defense. But I think Notre Dame is just coached well defensively that, you know, they'll get, uh, they'll be able to uh, cover maybe, possibly. I think I'll favor them covering in this game and winning this game. Okay. But it's definitely going to be an interesting game to where at the beginning of the season, the middle of the season that we saw where it was looking like Notre Dame was going to come down and then just completely thrash UNC because UNC has looked his poor. Um, but Ty Chandler has looked a lot better. Um, Sam Howell and Josh Downs are probably the most, well, I'd say mostly Josh Downs has been probably the most uh, consistent uh, piece of that offense in terms of fantasy. Um, and Sam Howell has shown that he can have big games. Um, I don't know, though, with his O-line, if how many opportunities uh, he's going to be able to find, you know, find points, but he has been rushing a lot more. So I do like that dual ability of him, uh, you know, running the football because he's run over 100 yards a few times this so far this season. So it might be another case this game as well, too. And, you know, it may be some garbage time points in there as well. So Sam Howell in this game might be able to put up a, a decent stat line at the end. Yeah, so I'm the big... You're going to take Notre Dame? All right. I mostly gut feeling here, but I'm going to take UNC to win this game uh, because I believe that when UNC's offense gets hot, they can get hot. Now, Notre Dame was able to shut down UNC quite impressively, I might add, last year, especially in the second half. They shut them out in the second half. And a lot of that had to do with Notre Dame being able to take away UNC's rushing game. You had Michael Carter, Javante Williams. That was an incredible, incredible feat by them. And let's be honest... Ty Chandler, as great as he has been, is not Javante Williams and Michael Carter. But, but Xavier, you touched on this. 
UNC was not running Sam Howell last year. Uh, in their game last year, Sam Howell had 11 carries for two yards. A lot of that had to do with the fact that seven, six of those carries came from six sacks delivered by Notre Dame's defense. Now, I think they'll be able to do that again. However, I think there will be several calls in this game where Sam Howell is expected to scramble for an, uh, for some yards, and I think he'll be able to keep more drives alive in this game. I actually expect this game to be a relatively higher scoring game compared to last year, so I could see both teams crossing that 25-30 margin. Um, and I think SMU is going to have just enough firepower, especially, like I said, uh, or like you said, Kyle Hamilton, he's out. That's a big ball hawk that's going to not allow uh, UNC to turn the ball over as much out for this game. So I'm going to go, again, gut feel here. I feel like UNC gets hot in this game, gets some revenge for last year, and they pull off the upset. Yeah, okay. So... Let me just write down our picks real quick. Make sure we got. I just mentioned uh, as a counter argument. I think um, Chris Tyree and Kyra Williams are going to have great days and going to be able to put up a lot of points. Um, Again, that's why I expect. I I don't expect this game to be won by Jack Cohn. I expect Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree to have their way. But I also expect uh, this to be one of Sam Howell's great days. Okay. Sam Howell, I think, has something to prove. I think he wants to be in that first round conversation next year. A lot of people doubting him right now. This is the perfect opportunity to take down a ranked Notre Dame team. Yeah, okay. So, we'll hit up our last game here, and that's going to be Fresno State at number 21, San Diego State University. I believe it is my turn to go first. So, let me get this down real quick. All right. So, I mentioned this one on the Ankle Biters podcast. I just consider it one of my more interesting games of the week because this is two teams playing for a division title right here. Uh, Fresno State... Really, in most games that they played this year, have looked very impressive. Um, again, Wyoming held them to 17 points, but they they held Wyoming to three points, so that I think that was pretty impressive. They were able to win in a different way. And then their other their one loss comes to Hawaii, where they had to travel three hours out of their time zone in order to play at Hawaii. So I imagine jet lag had something to do there. You often find a lot of these Mountain West teams uh, struggle when they have to travel to Hawaii and. Vice versa, you see Hawaii struggle when they have to come to the mainland. Um, they're playing at, at uh, San Diego State University, undefeated San Diego State University. They're playing at home. Uh, San Diego State's a one-point favorite here. This is a late-night game, 10.30 p.m. And San Diego State's defense is getting a lot of praise, and Fresno State's offense is getting a ton of praise as well, and that's definitely going to be the strength on strength here. Um, but I think it'll be decided on the other side of the ball. Fresno State's defense um, at times can be exploited, and other times they are able to just completely shut down offenses, especially these run-first offenses like we saw against Hawaii, or not Hawaii, um, Wyoming. So I think I'm going to take Fresno State here. I think they just have the more talented um, players. I think that they're able to create some more explosive plays, and I think they'll win this game and in the process take control of the Mountain West division. Yeah, um, this game is very interesting. Um, Fresno State has not looked the greatest offensively these past few weeks. Um, there is concerns about Jake Heiner and Jalen Cropper. Of like, I think it was after that. Uh, what was the game that he took the big hit and came back and won the game? UCLA. UCLA. Yeah. So ever since that game, they haven't just looked right. Nothing's been clicking for them on offense. They've been able to squeak by, you know, some uh, some good wins. Uh, in the Mountain West, but nothing too convincingly as what we uh, what we once thought, you know, early on in the season. 
And San Diego State's defense looked really good. They're, I think, 31st in, uh, against the pass, which is still top 50 for uh, a Mountain West team is pretty good. So I'll, I'll mm-hmm. give them their props there. Um, I, I think it's definitely – Fresno State definitely has the better quarterback. Um, but San Diego State, they're built on their uh, their run game, Greg Bell. Mm-hmm. Um so it's definitely going to be an interesting game in terms of how close Ooh, it presents. I believe they... might actually be questionable for this game. Ooh, if he's not in, then that changes a little bit. Uh, I'll leave a, a, an open uh, – I'll, I'll say for now, I, I believe San Diego State will win. But if Greg Bell doesn't play, then I think I should have the right to change. My, uh, <laughs> I, uh, will, I will grant you that. I will grant okay. you that. Alrighty, so those are our additional games of interest. Now we're going to move on to our over-under games of the week. This is where we talk about these big fantasy games. Uh, if you're l- struggling to decide who you want to start in each of these games, definitely take a look at these guys. So let me just write this down. We'll move on to our first one. Uh, we're, again, we're going to specifically talk a lot about players here. So the first one we got up here, we got Hawaii at Utah State. Utah State, a a six-point favorite. This is not on any television. um, This is not on any television stations that we are aware of. And it's at 3 o'clock, and the over-under on it is 65. So, Xavier, who are you looking at in this game? Who are you starting? Uh, I'll definitely start Calvin Turner uh, Jr. in this game for Hawaii. Uh, Siobhan Cordero as well. but besides that, um, maybe Day Day Hunter as well too for Hawaii. It's Utah State. They're not. Uh, they're defensively challenged. So I mean, those are the two names that I would probably. I mean, those are three names I'd probably uh, look out for. I'd probably have a lot more um, faith in Calvin Turner because, as we've seen from a lot of his highlights and how he scores against defensively challenged teams, he just finds a way to escape uh, mm-hmm. pressure when there's like five guys on him, run the opposite way of the field, and find his way in the end zone. So. I think, uh, you know, he doesn't always have to have those type of theatrics because sometimes he can get really good uh, yards in the passing game, but mm-hmm. also really good yards in the run game as well, too. And I think he's uh, probably yeah, the best receiver uh, by far for that Hawaii offense. And if Cordero can, you know, show his rushing ability as well, too, then that's a good game for him. I'll let you uh, take the Utah State side. No, there's yeah, one, there's one. Two guys. Well, really one guy here that I'm really going to push here, and that's Devin Tompkins, the wide receiver. Hawaii's got the 127th passing defense in the country. This dude is going to go absolutely bananas in this game. Uh, If you want to, because of that rough passing defense, Logan Bonner, probably a great start here um, if you're struggling at quarterback. Um, And Xavier, did you have somebody else you wanted to mention? No, I was going to say Logan Bonner. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was going to say, I'm like, like, is there anybody else really? Because you can go and find other pieces on this offense that if you really want to um if you're really struggling just look at the starting wide receivers for utah state um but yeah you cover you covered the hawaii side pretty well those are the guys i would really be uh looking forward to uh, calvin turner day day hunter again and then um god what was his name from last week um hold on he went off last week it was where was he at went against new mexico state he, uh, Mr. Parson, Dedrick Parson, running back for them, he had in this game 25 carries for 161 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, so he was getting more carries than Calvin Turner was. Yeah. Ooh, man, Day Day Hunter wasn't out there. Maybe he's hurt. I didn't know. It's hard to keep up with Hawaii out there all along on that island. Mm. And then you can also throw in Nick Mardner here, a wide receiver for Hawaii. I think he's used enough in, uh, in the passing game. 
uh, and different trick plays and stuff like that. They, he's absolutely worth taking a look at here. Yeah. Ooh, man, Dedrick Parsons has some good yards in the passing game as well, too. Yeah, that might be a guy. Absolutely. Let's take a look at our next game here. We got Texas Tech University at number four, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, a 17.5 point favor. This is a 330 game on ESPN. Over under on this game, 67.5. Pretty much the guys you're looking at here uh, for Oklahoma. I'm not trusting any Oklahoma wide receiver. If you're going to play them, you play them as a flyer on your flex. uh, See what happens. He's definitely not going to be guys you want to rely on. Because it just goes back and forth. Who gets the targets every single week? But putting Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is going to have a field day against the Texas Tech defense. Um, last week, notwithstanding, of course, like they went against a bad defense last week and things went wrong. I have a feeling they get a lot of that fixed this week. Caleb Williams has a great day. And then I'm also going to put down Kennedy Brooks. Because Kennedy Brooks clearly has taken the number one back role for Oklahoma. Eric Gray has a good play here and now, but again, he's like the receivers where I don't trust him to give me production every week. And so, Xavier, anybody on Texas Tech side that you want to throw out there? Uh, They just started their coach, so that's going to look terrible for them. So I think, you know, the game plan probably for them is just to run Sirajic Thompson to the ground. And I think uh, with Oklahoma's inability to make tackles, it might bode well for him. Um, so yeah, uh, let's just say Sir Roger Thompson. I'm expecting, uh, you know, in the past few weeks, he's only gotten uh, maybe like 10 plus carries. Highest mm-hmm. I've seen is 18 against TCU. Uh, this might be one of those games where he needs 18 to 20. So um, I'm expecting a big day uh, from Sir Roger because Oklahoma, they can't tackle for uh, expletive, expletive. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I'll, 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 the only start I would have on Texas Tech is Sir Roger Thompson. Uh, I'm going to throw Eric Ezekama out there as well. Oklahoma's passing defense definitely has been beaten and battered. I believe Josh Pate the other day, he said that only one player in Oklahoma secondary is playing in the same position that he started out and fall camp in. You got a lot of guys learning their positions. So Eric Ezekama, I think, could break open for a couple of good plays there. Um, And I believe uh, Kalen Geiger is their other wide receiver that's kind of transferred from Troy. He's kind of built himself up this year. So definitely, yeah. I think you could play him. The only thing I have against Exacoma is that for this year so far, um, he's kind of his values in his legs uh, running the football because he only has mm-hmm. one receiving touchdown and two rushing touchdowns, and those two rushing in the last two games. So they're finding plays for him, but ever since you fire your head coach, hopefully it's still kept the play. Hopefully he left the playbook behind. So we'll Absolutely. see. Absolutely. All right, we'll move on to the next one. We got. FIU at Marshalls. Xavier, you start us off. Who are you taking? Who are you starting? Yeah, uh, I guess I'll take the Marshall side of uh, with uh, Marshall. They're a great rush, uh, rushing team. So Rasheen Ali, obviously a good start. Um, Grant Wells, uh, dual threat quarterback. Uh, kind of takes a lot of those goal line carries away from Rasheen, but Rasheen still gets his uh, work. So he'll be still be productive. And um, yeah, for Marshall receivers, um, God, I always get this wrong. Is Gamage on Charlotte or Marshall? Sorry, what was that? Uh, is Corey Gamage, uh, does he play for Charlotte or Marshall? Two green teams. We always mess up. Uh, uh, I believe he plays for Marshall. Okay, then Corey Gamage, um, tight end. I'll go with uh, Xavier Gaines, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, those two guys in a passing attack as well. So, I, I, there's, there's four players you can put against FIU against this game. I think you'll deserving of over 65 points in the, um, the over-under, and mm-hmm. Marshall is heavily favored, so there will be a lot of points and a lot of opportunities for these guys to put up uh, 
you know, touchdowns and just, you know, yards in general. All right, I'll take the other side of this. We got FIU players, and I'm going to tell you guys I don't trust them in this game. Uh, Marshall's a 21.5-point favorite in this game for a reason, so I don't see FIU putting up a ton of points in this game. And Marshall, I believe, is in the top 10, if not definitely the top 15 in terms of passing defense. I don't expect Max Bordenschlager to have the great day that he normally has. Um, Tyrese Chambers, um, Bryce Singleton... Those guys probably would just want to sit them for this week. And Devontae Price really hasn't been that impressive the last couple of weeks anyway, so you probably aren't going to want to start him either way. So there's really not much on the FIU side I'm really comfortable with recommending this week. Um, yeah, that's understandable. Uh, Marshall is ranked 11th against the pass. Appreciate that. To clarify, yeah. So, yep. We'll go ahead and move on to our next one. We got... Duke at Wake Forest. I'll go ahead and take the Wake Forest side of things as soon as I get this done. All right, Wake Forest. Um, we saw what they did against Army last week. They're, once that offense gets hot and rolling, oh boy, it's fantasy points galore. And again, your guys are going to want to be uh, Sam Hartman, quarterback. Um, A.T. Perry, we've been hyping him up as one of our waiver wire picks the past couple of weeks. Absolutely start him. Ja'Kiri Roberson. Looks like he's finally out of that touchdown drought. They're going to be getting the ball to him. Uh, Christian Beal-Smith, um, if you're looking for a guy to start at the flex at running back or even just a running back for one week, I think he's a good play in this game. He definitely can run the ball into the end zone a couple of times. Um, so, yeah, those are my guys of Wake Forest. Xavier, who are you looking at on Duke? Yeah, I'm going to only just limit it to one guy, and that's Mateo Durant. I know Gunnar Holmberg has uh, been this dual-threat guy for the whole season, but I did not like their game against Virginia before the bye week uh, two weeks ago. They got mm-hmm. shit out completely. Yeah. And Wake Forest is no slouch either. If you if you can't put up points against Virginia, I don't see you putting up that many points against uh, Wake Forest. Who's I mean, Wake Forest is not like the greatest defensive team, but they've shown to be the more consistent in the ACC so far. And Mateo Durant, he still was able to have 17 carries and 82 yards, so I think those are opportunity and chances for him to break off for, you know, a few good uh, runs and maybe find himself in the end zone. So that's the only one I would personally... Ooh, okay. Wow. You okay? Yeah, uh, I'm glad you couldn't hear that then. I had ESPN just ringing in my headphones, and I was like, oh, let's hope they can't hear that. Nope, we can't hear uh, that. So yeah, I'd only just have Mateo Durant in this game for the possibility and the opportunities of him putting up points. Yeah, I'm going to kind of agree with you. Gunnar Holmberg, he was nice for like a week or two there, but then it, things just kind of quickly fell off the rails for them. Uh, if I had to recommend a wide receiver for Duke, it was going to be uh, probably Jake Bobo. Um, but uh, Bobo will probably go bye-bye for this week uh, until we see him get going again. So, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling you on the Duke side of things. Let's go ahead and hit up this next game. We got... Let me just do this. All right, we got the next game here. Charlotte at Western Kentucky. Xavier, you go first on this one. Yeah, uh, I'll take the Western Kentucky side. They're favored by minus 18. Um, Yeah, start everybody except for their backfield, honestly. Bailey Zappi has looked like one of the scariest quarterbacks in college football fantasy that we've seen over every single week. He's just consistent of like 29-plus points. That's just a bad game for him which is really, really scary. Um, Malachi Corley, um, wide receiver two, if you want to uh, – not, not even wide receiver two. It's just more of like who do you want to call wide receiver two for Western Kentucky because everybody's getting love. Mitchell Tinsley and the, obviously the big man, Jeff Stearns. Uh, 
just he's going to get a touchdown every game. That's it's just that it's almost the same thing about uh, Brees Hall. If there's uh, three things that are guaranteed in life, depth, taxes, and Jared Stearns getting in the end zone. So, uh, yeah, basically that's all I can really say for West Kentucky. I'll, I'll leave you to the Charlotte side. I know uh, I'm really I'm really intrigued about who who you would put out there because I know West Kentucky's uh, passing defense is piss poor. Well, as you mentioned, their passing defense is piss poor, so I have to imagine that Chris Reynolds is going to have one of these up games that he's usually, uh, that he was known for at the beginning of the season. He's kind of died down a little bit since then, putting up about 20, 25 points a game. But man, he can hit that, when he hits that uh, high, he can get you about 30, 35, maybe even 40 points uh, if he's having a real good day. And he's got two pretty good options at receiver. He's got Victor Tucker and he's got Grant Dubose. Um, their rushing game is leaving a lot to be desired, so I have a feeling they're going to be putting a shootout with Wake Forest in this game. Now, Wake Forest is favored by 18, so obviously even Vegas doesn't expect them to keep up with Western Kentucky. But even so, they're going to be forced into that situation. So I expect some big games out of Chris Reynolds. I expect some big games out of Grant DeBose and Victor Tucker. I'm not going to recommend anybody in their backfield. They have It's been running back by committing all season. I would agree as well too. Uh, it's just I only had the concerns of like Chris Reynolds hasn't been uh, what he's shown to be in that first few weeks of the season. So I, I do believe that he will have a nice little shootout game. With if if there's a bounce back game for him, this is it. Yeah. All right, let's hit this last one real quick, Ooh. and then we can all go home. Uh, we're gonna hit Arkansas State at University of Southern or University of South Alabama. I want to say something Alabama. first. Go ahead. I would like to say these are the two of the worst passing defenses in the nation. Mm-hmm. They they rank in that like bottom quartile of like one ten to one thirty. So, so Xavier, are you saying start everybody? Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> start everybody. Now I will say for Arkansas State, uh, hopefully Lane Hatcher is not announced the starter because I really don't understand what Butch Jones is doing. I really think he needs to be fired at Arkansas State because they looked a lot better. They really, they've been there one year. I don't care. He's he's looked. He's just the offense is not the same as what it once was uh, last mm. year and the years before. So that's the only thing. I'll I'll let you uh, comment on the uh, the players of whichever team you want to choose. Uh yeah, you, I do get to go first now here, don't I? Um, yeah, so we're, I'm going to take Arkansas, Arkansas State side here. Um, and like, like Xavier and I were jo- just joking, start everybody. Uh, don't start anybody in the Arkansas State backfield because that's a joke. Um, but again, Lane Hatcher, he's starting quarterback. Start Honestly, again, Xavier, as much as you're giving crap for James Blackman, if he starts, start him. They're going to be putting up some points regardless. Um, you got the three, the big three wide receivers for Arkansas State right now. You got the Valence Hunt. You got Jeff Foreman. You got Corey Rucker. All of those guys I think are going to be getting some love in this game. Dahu Green, if you're really, really struggling in a deeper league, you could throw him out there. Um, that's just a big flyer. So those are my guys for Arkansas State. Who are you looking at in South Alabama? Yeah, I guess I'll start off with Jake Bentley. In the past two games, he's thrown over 300 yards. Uh, probably even 350 um and then for their receivers jalen tolbert uh why we, i know people have been waiting he's putting having a good season he's almost at a thousand yards uh probably like w- one or two more big games away um but he just couldn't find the end zone early at part of the season but uh now that he's getting into these a lot of these softer games where the, the passing defenses are terrible he's able to find the end zone um if you're really trying to go for any more receivers on for that uh south alabama team jalen wayne uh i was about to mention only, him yeah, and then Colin Lacey are yep. the two guys, uh, next guys in re- leading receptions with 29 and 27. So 
that's all I can really say. Um, and then Lincoln Suffolk, I think if I'm Suffolk, so, uh, Suffolk, let's go with Suffolk. I think that's the pr- uh, proper uh, pronunciation. Is that their tight end? Yes, they're tight end. He's finding the end zone. He's uh, has three touchdowns on the year. I think that's good for a tight end. And if they're able to find him in this game where pass defense sucks, might as well. Absolutely. I'm not going to argue with that. All right. So that leads us to the end of our show in terms of our full-on content. Now we just have to hit up some housekeeping notes before we get out of here. We appreciate you guys so much for tuning into the show. And yeah, uh, Xavier, I usually do all the plugging. You want to give it a shot? Sure, yeah, you did in the intro. Yeah, uh, make sure you follow us on all platforms from Apple Music to Spotify. Leave those five-star reviews on uh, Apple Music because we really appreciate those. Uh, it takes about, like, five minutes if you just go through them quick and you only have nice things to say. If you really want to dog us, that's fine, too. We take constructive criticism very well over Absolutely. here. Uh, follow us on YouTube. Jerry works hard on the graphics to give you all a nice visual representation of what we're doing especially with our uh, weekly uh, previews and recaps of waiver wire players that we're looking at. Uh, follow us on Twitter. That's where you can uh, find us mostly. You can hit us up in the DMs. We're uh, open for all questions. I'm CFF underscore Xavier. He's CFF underscore uh, Jared. And yeah, I was going to say it twice. Um, that's a, I, I didn't realize how much the, that you go through. But yeah, uh, don't forget to hit the notification bell for all of our uh, YouTube and um just any streaming platform and then uh, make sure to like and subscribe and leave comments because Jared enjoys the comments. Uh, we have our favorites that we see and that and we you're acknowledge. Not? No, no, I definitely do. I definitely <laughs> do. I have one listener that I'm just like, I, I don't like you listening because you always steal my players in our league. So <laughs> he knows who I'm talking about. I will, I'll leave his name out there. He knows I've said his name before in uh, previous podcasts, but yeah, we appreciate all the love and support that we get. Oh, also check out our ankle biters uh, where we guess. Absolutely. Uh, uh, that probably just dropped today or either going to drop later on tonight. So uh, it was a fun time with Farnsworth and Owens. Uh, those are two great guys in the industry. Uh, it's great to uh, know the the whole industry as a whole. We have so many great and talented individuals and groups. So it's just great to, you know, have that love and, um, you know, camaraderie between all of us. There's no uh, pecking order of who's, who's right and who's wrong. We all respect each other's opinions. So that's basically all I have to say. Jerry, what are your last uh, thoughts I think you nailed everything on the head. Let's go. Um, the only thing I might put out there is, again, I, I'll probably send another tweet about this uh, in a, the next day or so. I am still taking responses on our uh, on our questionnaire that we're putting out there. Again, if you don't feel comfortable putting things down on the comment section, uh, you want things just to be anonymous, send it there. A lot of the stuff you're seeing changes to the show, the way we talk about things, are coming directly, directly from those responses to the questionnaire i love hearing feedback from you guys and again if you just ever want to throw an idea out there for just content you want to see in the future hit us up we are looking for different ways to bring you guys awesome new content uh, especially after this season is over we'll have the off season just throw ideas at us y'all we want to hear every single one of it because uh, we're looking to have a good time as the season goes on so yeah with that being said Appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, we kept it just over an hour today, so good on us for um, for keeping things in a timely manner on the Ankle Biters podcast. We pushed them over two hours because that's oh, just yeah. the kind of people that we are. Um, so yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Y'all have a blessed day.